0: Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you and, most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because She Who Moves Forward Fiercely is She Who Wins. Hey everyone, I am here with Britt Baker, who is a Harvard Business School graduate, an expert investor with 10 plus years of experience and a money mindset coach. She is on a mission to serve those who have traditionally been left out of the financial world, and she does so by bringing a step by step approach to saving and investing. Through her company, Dow Janes, I love that, she and her co-founder have helped hundreds of women pay off debt fast, set up long-lasting money systems, and invest her time. Britt believes everyone deserves the confidence, clarity, and peace of mind that comes with having your finances handled. So we are talking about money today. Welcome, Britt. Thanks so much for having me, Renee. I love the name of your company. It's awesome.
1: How did she come up with it? it. Oh, tell. Yeah, it was the name. It was the name of my mom's investment club when I was a little girl. So she was part of this group of twenty or so women, and they would meet. They would pool their money and then make investments together. And so that was the original naming of of where Dow Jones came from. I love it. All right. So we're going to talk about all
0: of of the money things today and specifically as how it relates to women. But I have a question for you because as I was prepping for today, I noticed on your website, it said that you started investing when you were eight years old. You're going to have to explain yourself because at eight, I was playing with Barbies. So what the hell?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you know, my parents were really great teachers about all things money. Um, we had an allowance for doing chores, and so they really taught us the value of money and how we earned money on our own. When we wanted to buy something, they would say they would say yes, but we would have to pay for half of it. So mm-hmm. they really kind of taught us trade offs when it came to money. And one of the really early ways that they taught us about compound interest was by starting what was called the daddy bank. And it was this notebook where I could put my money into the daddy bank. I could in quote unquote, invest it and earn a 5% compounding interest. It's better than the banks <laughs> but today. I way better than the banks. And I had to do the math myself. So every month I'd go in and calculate how much I had saved and then calculate the interest and then add the interest to the bank. And so they were teaching us both, you know, practicing our math skills, but also teaching us the power of compound interest. Because when I kept adding my allowance and it would compound monthly, it grew a lot faster. And so I learned from a pretty young age just the value of time when it comes mm. to investing your money really taking advantage of compounding.
0: Okay, so let's start there then. Because right now, I mean, I know every time I get my investment statement, I like gasp, because it looks like it's always going down. So can we just talk about where we are right now in current day, putting money into investments. And I know like the common thing that happens when we start to see the market do kind of their funny, funny thing, and you start to see money, you losing money, like the, the instinct is to let me stop, let me hoard it, let me not continue to invest and put and save in a retirement account. So what do you have to say to that? Because my guess is you probably don't agree that people should be doing that.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. I'm so glad you started here. Uh, so there is a lot of fear when it comes to investing, and there's a lot of um, misinformation or or assumptions or myths. And so people... Most people, when they think of investing, think of it as this way to get rich quick or way to like make a quick buck. Like I'm gonna put money in the stock market and I'm gonna double my money overnight. And it's really the wrong way to be thinking about investing. Investing is a patient long-term game and you should only play the game after you have paid off all of your high interest rate debt. So if you have credit card debt, you should not be investing. Mm -hmm. And then you also need to have your savings built up. You need to have your emergency fund so that when you start investing, you don't have to pull it out. You don't even want to look at the value of it for, you know, maybe you can look at it quarterly if you really want to. But ideally, when you're investing, you're investing for three plus years at a time. And so those ups and downs in the market, the down that we're in right now Ideally, that's not going to affect you because over a long enough period of time, it's going to go back up. You know, historically the stock market has, if you look at a long enough time period, it's always returned. It's always gone up. And so it really is just a game of, you know, how patient and how long-term can you be Mm -hmm. and making sure that you have things in place before you start investing that really protect you. So things like paying off your debt, and saving up an emergency fund. So
0: you said something really interesting I want to circle back to because you said don't start investing until all of your debt is paid off and you have savings, which I always thought was not the case. Like I thought you invest and then you also work to pay off your debt or work to save. So you're saying don't don't actually start saving for retirement. Does that mean 401k too? Like, Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's get into the specifics because I'm only referring to high interest rate debt. So that's debt with an interest rate over 7%. That's mm-hmm. things like credit card debt, some car loans, some personal loans. We're not talking about your mortgages. We're not talking about student loans with a, you know, three, four, 5% interest rate. And the reason that the, the difference is at 7% is because that's what the stock market has historically performed. So the S and P 500, if you look back, it returns you know seven to eight percent annually, and so you can either make that annually by investing, or if you're if you're holding on to money and paying credit card debt, you're paying you know twenty or thirty percent annually, and so it's costing you more to hold on to that credit card debt than you would make by investing it, and so it's a better use of your money to pay off any high interest rate debt. So that's why that is the first priority. Gotcha. Okay. So then now that and then then your, your yeah, great question about retirement funds like four hundred one k. So if you have same thing, if you have credit card debt, you have to pay that off before you can start contributing to your four hundred one k. The the nuance is if you have a company that matches you at you know. which is pretty unheard of but if you have a company that matches then it might be worth it to be doing both paying that off and paying off your debt at the same time okay so what if someone who's
0: listening at this point in their life has not done anything to invest they don't have a 401k what's the first thing that they should be doing in order to get all of their financial ducks in a row
1: Yeah. So do they have debt? Are we talking about someone with debt? Maybe they have a little
0: bit of credit card debt, nothing too crazy.
1: Okay. So first priority is pay off that credit card debt. So do whatever you need to do to minimize your monthly expenses. uh, Any what we call bonus money, any bonus money you get from like birthdays or expecting to pay for lunch and then someone else buys it for you, but you've like allocated that $30 for going out to lunch put that towards your debt, like put every bonus dollar that you have towards your debt, pay that off as fast as possible. Then the point, then the next goal is to save your emergency fund. So you're saving enough to get you by in case of an emergency. For some people it's three months, for some people they want six months or more, but save an amount that will cover your monthly expenses for a few months then any additional savings can be used to invest. And the fir- the first places I would start is with retirement accounts. So either 401k at your work, or if you're self-employed, opening a SEP IRA or a solo 401k, um, opening either a traditional or a Roth IRA, and then maximizing those if you can. So saving enough to get the tax advantages from maxing those out each year.
0: All right. So now I'm going to ask you something that is... Um, probably a little controversial, but, um, I I mean, how can we have this conversation without talking about women and money and the role that we have historically taken in terms of our, um, our control of it and, and passing it off to our partners. I mean, as a divorce lawyer, um, I saw it all the time where, where women would come in and say, I don't know anything about it. Like my, my husband dealt with it. Um, what are you seeing out there? What are you seeing in terms of women taking responsibility for their own financial freedom, future power, all of that?
1: Yeah. You know, I tend to be an optimist. And so <laughs> my perspective, on, I'll bring in, I'll bring in both, you know, a lot of the women we work with are post-divorce. They mm-hmm. are coming to us because their partner has managed the money and they are dealing with finances for the first time in their lives. Mm-hmm. So that is still the reality in a lot of partnerships and a lot of relationships that it's just by default handed off to the man. Yeah. Um, So we do see that. And I'll say that at the same time, we are seeing more and more women who are coming to us with a desire to be empowered. Yeah. So even we have women who are married, who right now their husband manages the finances, they come to us and they're like, I want to take this over. I want to start a family budget. I want to get us out of credit card debt. I want to, you know, get us invested and start our college kids, kids' college funds. And a real, um, you know, I heard someone just say yesterday, like 2023 is the year for women to rise up. And I'm already feeling that.
0: Love it. Yeah, right? Yes, (laughs) love
1: it.
0: I mean, I will pound my chest and I will, you know, stand on my, my soapbox and say that. Any every woman, I don't care if you're divorced, if you're married, if you're single, if you're still living under your parents' roof, like you need to take responsibility and get educated about your financial future. And if you don't understand what Mm -hmm. investing looks like, like talk to someone, get the professionals, like read, there's so many books on it, like pick up a book and start to familiarize yourself with the language. And the more you do that, the more comfortable it is. Because I think, and do you agree, like, women don't like talking about money. Like men do it all the time. They'll boast, it. they'll talk about their bonuses. They'll talk about their salary. They'll show on Instagram the jets they're flying on. Like not my friends, but you know, someone out there. But like women don't do that. Women are like kind of keep it quiet. Are
1: you seeing that too? Yeah. I mean, there's socially broadly men and women, it's pretty taboo to talk about money. And so it's not, it's not that common, but you're right. It's definitely more of a topic in men's circles than it is in in women's circles. And that's something we're trying to change. We have an online community called the million dollar year where we make it totally okay to talk about money, to brag about the raise you just got to like pat yourself on the back for the credit card debt that you just cleared. And yeah, it's a, There's so much shame around money that this is a big piece that we're, you know, just trying to erase because no one taught you this, you know, you didn't learn in schools, your parents likely didn't teach you. There's no way you would have known this. And, you know, don't beat yourself up for not knowing it. Just start to take action. Just, you know, start talking to people, start reading, learn what you need to learn. It's crazy because
0: I I never talked about money. And in my business, I never talked about it until I joined a mastermind where money was celebrated, where it was like we were celebrating each other hitting milestones. And it wasn't something to like keep quiet. It was like, let's cheer each other on and have those conversations. Because How do you know what's even possible if you're not talking about what you have now, or like, but surrounding yourself with people who have what you want to get to? You know, whether it's a successful business or whatever it is, or your lifestyle, and having those conversations to say, okay, how'd you do it? like in asking those questions. (laughs) And it's been liberating to put yourself in a circle, which I love that you have a community, because I think that that's amazing to start to get really comfortable. If you're not comfortable with your own friend circle or doing it with family, like putting yourself in a community where it is celebrated. So that's, that's awesome. How do people join that?
1: Yeah. People join it. They can join it from our website, DowJanes.com and watch our free masterclass to learn more about it. Um, and then it's, it's on our website. It's called the million dollar year. Um, but speaking of community, that's, you know, if people are you know looking for a way to talk about money, sometimes it helps to just start small to like, yeah. get a couple close friends and say, Hey, can we like, can we have lunch and just talk about money and make it a safe space. I'm in a, I'm in a small group of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and you know, when people have their own businesses, it is, it's becomes much more comfortable to talk about the dollars and cents. And so whatever you need to do to create, create community or, you know, join our community, but places where you can talk about it and not feel bad for asking a yeah. you know stupid question or something you think you should already know. Yeah. And, and there's absolutely no stupid questions. Like I
0: think it is such a, we just assume that as an adult, you know, all of the things and you should know all of the things, but no, like there's, there's, I'm constantly like googling stuff or asking people I know who I know will have the answer. Like there isn't any shame about asking those questions too and and educating yourself. So so cool. Um, mm-hmm. All right, I have a question for you now. So we talked about getting out of debt and saving, but what about spending? Like what about Brit? Like, Hey, I really want to go on two vacations a year. I really want that Gucci bag. Like what are your thoughts on, on discretionary spending?
1: Yeah. I love this question. So what we teach is spending in alignment with your values. And so getting really clear on what your values are and how you want to use money to live your best life, your best life based on your personal values. So, you know, for some people, that's going to be travel. For me, it's food. It's, yeah, same. it's all about food. <laughs> <Same answer. laughs> and then, you know, the next step is, is just budgeting for it, just planning for it. We had a member in our program who, you know, she'd been in debt, she hadn't really spent money on herself in a long time mm-hmm. and decided she was going to save up for a staycation in New York and go to dance classes. She's she's a dancer and loves to dance. And she saved up for that for, you know, a couple of months of, you know, building up her staycation fund. And when she spent that week in New York, you know, buying cocktails and going mm. to the dance classes, she felt so yeah. empowered and proud of herself and there was none of the the guilt that can come for a lot of people when they spend money that they don't have yeah. or haven't planned for. And instead to You know, plan for it, know exactly, you know, what it's gonna cost and how aligned that is with what you care about and then to do it. That's you know, that's so interesting because I I
0: I think that if I think about when I've spent money or splurged when I didn't think that I should be, and it's always been something like that, an experience or a mastermind or you know, some soul getaway, it it always repays itself ten times over. You know, so I think that that's really that really interesting. Um, and you know, I, I would say the same thing for it's it's those experiences more than like a tangible product that I can buy and go s- and sit in the closet. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, for those, I mean, as an entrepreneur, those sorts of expenses, like a mastermind or you know, business coaching program, the way that we talk to our members about things like that is, you know, think about the ROI, yeah. think about the return on investment. If the program costs five thousand dollars, are you going to make ten thousand dollars from it? And how can you hold yourself to getting a return on that investment so it becomes something that, you know, didn't end up costing you, but it ended up making you money.
0: This message is for the dreamers, doers, and goal getters out there. The She Who Wins Summit, a live event experience, is coming to Connecticut on April 28th and 29th, 2023. It's time to supercharge your soul so you can show up even more powerfully in your life, in your relationships, and in your business and career. Learn more at SheWhoWins.com. All right, so now I have a question then, because you are like total your numbers, your your data, your stats, your Harvard Business educated, amazing. Um, so, are you where are you from? Actually, I grew up in Idaho. Okay, so you, when you spent your time in Massachusetts, you didn't start saying Harvard.
1: <laughs> No. <laughs> Most people don't know I went to Harvard Business School. I, I keep it pretty hush-hush.
0: Oh, <laughs> Why? You should be celebrating that. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So I, just a total side, and I'm going to be completely transparent, and, and everyone can laugh at me, but when I was applying to law school, I, for whatever reason, thought that I should apply to Harvard Law School, and um, they didn't accept me, like... <laughs> many schools didn't accept me. Like truth be told, I got into one law school and almost didn't go. But for some reason I had like, oh, I'm going to go. And I'm from Mass. So I have the the Boston accent. But I'm like, I'm going to go to Harvard. And and so my father actually does a lot of work. He's a contractor at Harvard. And so I have the chairs, like the fancy chairs that if you graduated from Harvard Law School, um, you would buy these things. And so for the longest time they were in my office, not because I was pretending I went there, but because they were free. And it was like the closest thing to Harvard that I would get. So that's that's my side story. <laughs> so celebrate that <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right, I'll wear my Harvard special. Yes, time. you absolutely <laughs> should. So my question was going to be, because you're so number focused, I'm curious about what you think about the, the principle of money being energy and you have to spend it and allowing it to flow. Because I've always felt like, you know, you let it go and it comes in and it's sort of like has this flow rather than kind of holding on to it and hoarding it. So like what's your perspective on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just finished reading The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist, um, which is a lot about this, mm-hmm. about the the scarcity mindset that a lot of us live with and the hoarding that happens, especially around money. And, you know, unfortunately, like more for women, and it's you know, it's rooted in security and safety and wanting to take care of ourselves. So it it all makes sense. It's all, um, yeah, very based on survival. And yet the, the scarcity then breeds a, a fear and a way of relating to money that's negative and that's limiting. Um, and so a lot of the work that we do with our clients is actually addressing people's relationships with money. And looking at your money story. What was it like growing up with money? Yeah. What what stories did you hear about money? How was you know, money talked about in your household? Was it seen as this like negative thing, this bad, evil thing, or a tool? You know, what are what are the stories that you need to reconcile now as an adult as you're creating your own relationship with money going forward? And, you know, a lot of the work, you'd be surprised, but Lorianne and I bring in this, um, a real emotional and um, spiritual side to money in our program. And, you know, really wanting to teach abundance mindsets and get people to believe what's possible for them and really, you know, rewrite what they think they're worth, you know, for example. Yeah. So, so good. How does
0: someone start to unpack their money story? Because I think that that is such important work because we don't even realize like the, the relationship we have today with it is com- directly mm-hmm. w- goes back to our childhood. So like, where does someone aside from therapy, like where does someone, you know, unpack that?
1: Yeah. One, um, one just quick and easy journal entry exercise for people to do is think back to their first money memory. So what's your first memory of money for me? I remember being five years old and telling my dad when he tucked me in for bed, I said, if you need the money in my piggy bank, you can have it. (sighs) Like I was just scared that we were that like we didn't have enough money as a family. There was this total fear yeah. that existed, and that I, you know, if I think about that being my first money memory, like that, yeah, that has had ripples into my own scarcity mindset and how I've thought about money. And so that's what you know I personally am unpacking is, is scarcity, and it comes from you know, family yeah. histories and depression era relatives and all of that. And so for each person to look at their, their first memory is one practice. Another practice we do is, um, associations. So we have people look at a list of words related to money and they write down the first thing that comes to mind. So we have like a couple sentences, like a million dollars is Mm. money means like billionaires are, and like, what's, Mm. what's your rapid fire association. When you think of, when you hear those words, and that kind of helps you tune into more of your subconscious ways of how you perceive money without even realizing it. Mm, so interesting,
0: so worth the effort to do that. Um, that you know, this, this whole podcast is about empowering women, and it's called "She Who Wins," and it's about winning at all things: at life, at money, at your relationships. It's everything. Um, on your website, you say that it's a better world when women have money. So what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the stats, you know, when when women have money, they give back more. They put money, they invest money into social causes, into the environment, into building their community. I heard this quote the other day, you know, when you um when you teach a man something, you teach a man. And when you teach a woman, you teach a family. So this idea of like really empowering women, not just with the finances and the household money decisions, but with the education of, of managing money of what it's you know like to have a family budget. And that, that then gets passed on to the kids and the community. So
0: if you had an extra million bucks, just hanging out in your bank account, dying to be spent, what would be the, the cause that you would devote that money to?
1: Yeah. I have a few different like passion project causes um one is uh land rematriation for indigenous populations in this country mm-hmm. um you there's the environment um yeah trying to find alternatives to fossil fuels um and then reparations for black americans given what we've done to those populations in this country oh my god those are so deep <laughs> I I would throw my million yeah. bucks at all yes. the
0: rescue dogs. <laughs> I am not nearly as deep as you are. <laughs> Those are awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. We're ge- we're wrapping up. We're getting to the end. Um, I'm going to, before we ask the final question I have for you, how do people connect with you? You have a, a, a group coaching program. You have a community. Um, anyone who's out there who wants to really get a handle on their own money situation um, should absolutely connect with Britt and all of her contact info will be in the show notes. Um, but why don't you tell us where people can go and find you?
1: Yep. You can find us at DowJanes.com. That has all the information you need. You can join our free masterclass there, learn more about our offerings and how to think like an investor. We have a free class. And then we're on Instagram at Dow.Janes, Janes, where we post daily um, educational and inspirational content. We're also on Pinterest and TikTok. So YouTube. Oh, we have great YouTube content. You we have post a, a video. great YouTube channel, by the way, because I was like,
0: I che- was checking it out. It's awesome. There's such great Thank information. You know. Like we could do a whole conversation on you have a, uh, talking about creating uh, rich kids like I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is an amazing topic." So that YouTube channel is awesome. So definitely go check that out. Thank you. All right. So final yeah. question. Yeah. If someone had
1: yeah. an extra hundred dollars a month, what should they do with it? If they had an extra hundred dollars a month and they've already have enough savings, they should be investing it. So investing it in the you know ideally people can invest in line with their values as well. So there's, you know, socially responsible ETFs in the stock market. Um, there's just general stock, uh, index funds that you can invest broadly in the stock market. So you get diversification, but invest it because that's how it's going to grow and be worth 200 in the future. And it, when should someone start investing? Like what age? They should start is the investing range? as soon as possible. You know, As soon as you have enough savings and aren't in credit card debt, start immediately. So it could be, you know, for some people that doesn't happen until they're 40. And for some people, they're, you know, ready to do that at 25. Mm -hmm. The longer you have, the more money, the more possibility your money has to grow. So that's why taking action on, you know, getting out of debt and building up your savings is so important to do quickly. Awesome.
0: So there you have it. Britt Baker, we have to start talking about our money recognize our money story and start investing ladies. It's time. Thank you so much for being a guest. You're an absolute delight. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the she who wins podcast. So you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops until next time. And remember she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.